0: Welcome to Two Reels Podcast, where we look at a new movie that came out and think about a movie from the past that might pair well with it, maybe watch before or watch after to provide some context. I am David Rubin, and I'm here with my co-host, Joey BK. What's up, Joe? How you doing, Davey? Good talking with you, man. Man, I'm awesome. Yeah, it's good talking to you, too. It feels like we've been... Uh, away from each other on this podcast for a while,
1: so I'm glad we're <laughs> back on the mic together. I know the true double feature is you know the fun we've had together. <laughs> uh, I know today we're talking
0: about a movie that's a little different than movies we've looked at in the past, but we're talking about uh, Invisible Man, which just came out, starring Elizabeth Moss. What What do you think?
1: I loved it. <laughs> I really loved it, and I mean, I'm a huge Elizabeth Moss fan. She's like probably the only actress I could think of who just never misses. And I did a rewatch of Mad Men recently, and it is just staggering how good she is. Um, I, I got to embarrassingly admit, I have never watched Mad Men. Oh, you would love it, dude. You would love it. And she is so great. Uh, this movie, there's also some, I would be like the other, all of the supporting actors were awesome. This guy, Aldis yeah. H- Hodge, I had never seen before, who's her... Uh, brother-in-law couldn't really tell if he was still married to her sister or not, but uh, he's great. The you know her niece is amazing. It's just it was like an impressive movie. They really just had their shit together. Dude, he is jacked. jacked. He is so yoked. <laughs> he's a handsome man. <laughs> Holy hell! I,
0: I know. I was way too focused on him during the movie, and then <laughs> like realized that he probably wasn't actually going to play a huge role. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so should we give a quick rundown of what this movie is? Universal uh, has been attempting and failing to reboot their classic monster movies for years now. If you remember The Mummy with Tom Cruise, that was a swing and miss (laughs) from years ago. Oh, sorry, I misread what you were going to say there. But this is now the second second, uh, attempt, and it seems like it's going much better. And that's uh, a reboot of The Invisible Man, which was... The story of a guy who was able to make himself invisible, and then shenanigans ensued. In this version, the titular man is a tech <laughs> executive. We kind of like think uh, if Zuckerberg had a little more swagger, and he has maybe killed himself maybe not but yeah. uh as if you've seen the absolutely spoil heavy trailer you'll know <laughs> that he's actually turned himself invisible
0: yeah i have to say that's if i had to just immediately take one issue with this film it's the trailer like it was it, a disaster
1: it was a disaster
0: every, every scene in this movie where the audience is supposed to wonder what's going to happen. Or there's like a jump scare. You already know exactly what's coming. I mean, it was, she stands, she steps out on the front porch and you can see her breath. And in that moment, you think nothing bad could happen, but you know, because they show that in the trailer and in the commercial and you see an invisible guy's breath and it's not even scary because of that.
1: A little more with the premise. A basically the story is Elizabeth Moss is, uh, this tech executive's abused live-in girlfriend. I don't think they're married yet. She escapes the abusive home. He then kills himself and his brother tells Elizabeth Moss, you've been left $5 million, you'll get paid out $100,000 per month so long as you don't commit a crime or go insane.
2: He has figured out a way to be invisible you know exactly what I'm talking about. He's not dead. I just can't see him. Okay. Now, I agree with you. Adrian was brilliant, but it wasn't because of anything he invented. It was how he got in people's heads. You think about it. He came up with the perfect way to torture you, even in death. Only thing more brilliant Then inventing something that makes you invisible is not inventing it, but making you think he did. He's not dead, Tom.
1: The entire movie is so geniusly set up as, is she crazy? Isn't she crazy? For the early part, you're starting to like feel all of that. But because it's called The Invisible Man and because of that trailer, I never had that question. And I feel like that was like a lost opportunity in this movie. Huge lost opportunity,
0: because if the trailer hadn't told you everything, even though you're seeing things like the breath in the background or the feet on the blanket, these are kind of scenes in the movie where you start to see that there is an invisible man, you could very easily think, are we just in Elizabeth Moss's head right now? Mm -hmm. And is she just freaking out? But we don't even get to consider that as an option because anybody who went to see this movie obviously saw the trailer.
1: It's it's kind of like the trap of intellectual property, where this movie gets made for this budget, it gets this amazing uh, box office reception, partly because it's called the Invisible Man. But saying that there's an invisible man fucking ruins one of the big like <laughs> aspects of the movie. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it would be like calling your movie Dracula, and then fifty percent of the movie is like. Is he a vampire or isn't he? I don't know. Like, <laughs> Yeah.
0: It reminds me, like, from a title standpoint, I don't know if you remember the indie movie a couple years ago called, like, Jane Dies at the End or something like that.
1: Yeah. But it's, yeah.
0: like, it's a, it's an awesome movie, and the whole time you're wondering whether she's going to survive or not. And then it's like, but, but you're not, because you know exactly what's going to happen.
1: It's, Re- really it's weird choice. Really weird choice. Yeah. Uh, S- but I'm, I'm still impressed, man. It's like a fucking fun time at the movies and a little bit more interesting than it needed to be. And small budget for, for this movie. Seven million dollars, I think. Yeah, the true genius that Universal finally did was uh, they paired with Blumhouse for these mm-hmm. movies. And Blumhouse is like their big hack. You know, they made Paranormal Activity, they made Get Out, they made all of these movies, but their big hack is basically, we'll give you $5 million for this movie, if you want to put in any more, it's coming out of your pocket, but we're just making a $5 million movie. And these movies have made hundreds of millions of dollars, like all of them, but uh, you could do a lot with Little, apparently, because that fucking, what? the movie looks beautiful. And there's something to be said when you
0: have a lower budget. Just from movies that I watch, there's so much special effects out there. And nowadays, I feel like movies kill themselves with special effects more than help themselves a lot mm-hmm. of times. And this movie didn't have a ton of special effects, given the premise, you know? Totally.
1: Yeah. I, th- I kept thinking, uh, this really looks just as good as hollow man the kevin bacon movie you know (laughs) dude all i could think i love hollow man so
0: much and all i could think of was like this is nothing like hollow man even
1: though it's exactly the same as hollow man don't hollow man he had to be naked though right that's what i yeah i was kind of bummed we didn't really get to see the techie naked at all that was really hollow man hollow man also goes a little bit more into the sci-fi
0: space like it's an experiment and he turns invisible and mm. nobody knows where he is. And they're all kind of like stuck in a, like, I can't even remember, like a lab or a spaceship with him. And so it gets really weird. and kind of has like an alien aspect to it almost. Um, but this, I mean, this was obviously just a better film and way more stressful than any movie we've watched for this podcast <laughs> oh so God. far.
1: Still Uncut well, Gems, most stressful movie we've seen this year, but this one was <laughs> real up there, man. Well, speaking of movies that are extremely
0: stressful, you picked a movie to pair with this that I thought was a great choice, so why don't you tell
1: us what you chose? Yeah, I chose uh, 1987's Fatal Attraction, which stars Michael Douglas as just, like, the epitome of white 80s male he's a he's a lawyer <laughs> corporate lawyer works with uh publishing industry and has great hair just nice suits oh my God <laughs> so much Amazing swagger. hair is he using product <laughs> in that hair or is that does it just stand on its own No, it's the body the volume is unbelievable but he uh has a beautiful wife, a pretty weird daughter, but you know. A fine daughter, I guess, but and, not not a bad child actress. Given you know, I don't know what performance they wanted her to be giving, <laughs> but it was it somehow had to do with wearing giant night shirts at all hours of the day, <laughs> which is a lot. Um, but Michael Douglas goes to a publishing event for a samurai self help book and catches the eye of a exotic blonde played by glenn close who is a assistant publisher at the publishing house they hit it off they end up meeting again at a meeting the next weekend and uh michael douglas's wife and daughter are out of town and they have a weekend affair and then boy do things spiral from there you know i don't know what you're up to I'm going to tell you it's going to stop right now. No, it's not going to stop. It's going to go on and on until you face up to your responsibilities. What responsibilities?
2: I'm pregnant. I'm going to have our child. Alex, that's your choice, honey. That has nothing to do with me. I just want to be a part of your life. Oh, this is the way you do it, huh? Showing up at my apartment? What am I supposed to do? You won't answer my calls. You change your number. I mean, I'm not going to be ignored, Dan.
1: You know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah I, a, lot, a lot of people would probably say that so yeah what'd you think of the movie i thought it was i was pretty blown away it's a great fucking film man
0: yeah if i have seen it it's been a long time and i think the one time i tried to see it i ended up watching basic instinct instead i almost made the same <laughs> mistake man <laughs> it's so weird how those titles like they're not really the same, but for some reason they feel almost exactly the same.
1: There's two classic erotic thrillers, man. And you just, you know, you want to be a part of them. They're big.
0: Yeah, well, I I honestly loved it. I mean, this and Invisible Man are not my types of movies. Like, I wouldn't make popcorn on a Friday night and get stoned <laughs> and watch either of these films. But it was unbelievable. It was so good, and... Not only was the movie good and shot incredibly well, had twice as high of a budget and looked worse. Obviously, it's older. But also, it really made me realize that I've been missing out
1: on Glenn Close. She was fucking unbelievable. She's so good. She's such an odd-looking woman. <laughs> and you also totally believe the, like, the chemistry, which is such a hard sell in a movie like this. But like, you buy yeah, it. She, that weekend, I wanted to be a part of that weird 80s affair weekend, you know? Like, And she doesn't look the – I mean, she she's not – this might sound mean, so sorry, but she's not, like, stunningly gorgeous. No, she's, she's not Michelle Pfeiffer in Basic Instinct, you know? It's a different kind of attraction, which is crazy.
2: Hi, Rod here. I had to interrupt and correct my boy Joey. I love you, but – we will not stand for Sharon Stone Erasure. She is in Basic Instinct, not Michelle Pfeiffer, both queens, but had to step it up for Stone Hive. That's all.
1: Things really take a turn. She ends up uh, calling to the house, calling to the office, trying to get other meetings uh, with Michael Douglas. She tells him she's pregnant and then ends up going after his family in their new westchester suburban home. So yeah. yeah, so I picked it as a pairing because I feel like they're both uh these kind of domestic horror films, but they're very like of their time and gender flipped. Like the 80s the 80s horror film is like the rich white lawyer who fucks around and now has to deal with these terrible consequences of this crazy woman. And the twenty twenty horror film is this abused uh girlfriend who's being gaslit by this terrible evil techie and has to kind of, as things spiral, prove to everyone he's not or she's not crazy. But I think they're both kind of dealing with these like very of the time and understandable horrors, and it's all kind of about like, society thinks, can't know about this. There's these social restrictions and you have to fight against this just unbelievably irrational force and try to save your family and yourself. Yeah. I'm really glad that you use the term
0: gaslit or gaslighting in there because... For a long time, I didn't know what that term meant, and if you want to know, just go see Invisible Man. It's a two-hour movie that just the gives definition. the definition of getting gaslit. So, uh, dude, it was it was a really good pairing. And as a single guy who's been going on dates with people, often people who I'm meeting <laughs> for the first time, after watching Fatal Attraction, I told myself I may never go on a date ever again.
1: <laughs> well. I mean, uh, I love this term, but Jalen Rose, the ex-basketball player, has a term where he says life is leverage, mm-hmm. and uh, this both of these movies are just about leverage, <laughs> constant leverage. There is, uh, you know, Glenn Close has all of the leverage over Michael Douglas's character, which is so rare for him. He's this guy who's always in control. Yeah, he's great hair as we said he's handsome he's going to be a partner at his law firm and then suddenly they have the affair and she's like i have all the control over you and he's struggling with that and then in this other movie obviously it's a fucking billionaire genius who's uh fucking with elizabeth moss but the entire movie is her trying to regain some power regain the leverage as he just wreaks havoc on this world
0: Yeah, and one thing that I thought was really interesting just hearing you talk about it, but also as you're watching the movie, is in Invisible Man, the only person who really knows what's going on that we are close with as the audience is Elizabeth Moss. She Mm -hmm. is like... She's trying to regain leverage, but everything is basically a secret because nobody else believes her. Whereas in Fatal Attraction, there's not really any... like secrets in the sense of, like, uh, nobody's invisible, I guess, is the most perfect way to put it. But more Michael Douglas has to keep it a secret. So yep. there's this difference of, like, he's trying to keep information away from the general public because he knows how bad it'll get if they find out. And Elizabeth Moss wants the general public to know all the information, <laughs> and she can't get anybody to fucking buy in. So that's such a like, interesting turn to see these characters – struggle with the same thing in a lot of ways, but in such a different way at the same time.
1: Yeah. And actually there's, uh, I was reading, doing some serious research on the Wikipedia for Fatal (laughs) Attraction. Really, using all your resources, huh? (laughs) Uh, As a journalist, you know, you always gotta (laughs) go to Wikipedia first. But uh, in the original ending for Fatal Attraction, Alex Forrest, who's Glenn Close's character, slashes her th- throat when mm-hmm. Dan comes over and chokes her out and does all of this stuff. And uh, he goes, and it appears that he murdered her, and he gets in trouble, and eventually his wife finds the tape, which acquits him of the murder. But it is much more this, car- this idea of, like, you're getting blamed. You know, the Invisible Man's all about... He uses his invisibility to break up elizabeth moss's relationship with her sister to murder people to hit her stepdaughter do all this stuff to make elizabeth moss look like the villain and the original fatal attraction ending had that as the ending that like uh michael douglas's character is almost charged with murder until he's finally acquitted by his wife finding it and they showed a test screening i think people were just like fuck that so they, well, they still that.
0: they still use that ending in the japanese version apparently
1: oh really yeah God. but yeah t- Americans, test we can't deal with it <laughs>
0: <laughs> test audiences didn't like it and i'm kind of glad they didn't use it because that seems too perfect so much so that when i was watching the movie i was guessing that that's what was going to happen because he grabs the knife from her and puts it down in that scene when he yep. goes to her place and you can see her kind of eyeing it as if like, oh, his fingerprints are on that now. Uh, and so I just, that's what I assumed was going to happen. And when it didn't, it kind of caught me off guard, which is probably a good thing.
1: I think it's so funny that horror in these movies too, like the, how much a gender swap you have to like raise the stakes because, you know, for like an 80s white affluent male, the horror is like... I had an affair. Definitely not his first affair. He jumped into that so quickly. <laughs> yeah, he makes I it ha- seem like it's his first, but it was way too casual. Yeah, he literally overwine. There was like they were like one wine in, and he's like, Well, it's up to you if we're gonna fuck <laughs> have an affair. <laughs> like uh, but, you know, his the horror is like, I'm gonna have any consequences at all for my having an affair with when I have a young daughter. And for the invisible man, it's like all of my family members are getting murdered. <laughs> I'm going to mm. jail. All the, like it's such a worse level, but there there wouldn't I don't think like the equivalence would work, you know, if this woman had to have some stakes for her affair. I don't think that would work as well.
0: <laughs> it's also not just I mean, gender swap's a huge part of it, but it's also just thirty years later. You know, the, mm-hmm. the way that you have to scare people and the intensity of movies has changed. Like, I don't know if a movie made today with the same plot as Fatal Attraction does quite as well as The Invisible Man. I mean, maybe it would, but I think you have to kind of up the stakes a little bit. You have to make it more violent. You have to scare the shit out of people a little bit more.
1: It's kind of a shame, I have to say. I, like, I really enjoyed the fact that most of this movie, both these movies actually used it a lot, but most of Fatal Attraction was an impending sense of doom it was Mm -hmm. kind of like we know there's no way this is just like a nice it's called fatal attraction there's no way this is just like oh an affair happens and then like slowly unravels and with the music with these cues with like the dark lighting you're kind of like this shit's gonna go wrong but i don't really know how and a lot of it is just like michael douglas having some nice conversations (laughs) and it's it's really good acting like (laughs) everybody gives a good performance and Mm -hmm. not just the
0: dialogue but a lot of the stuff that you learn about the characters and their interactions there's nothing spoken it's just the way that it's shot the looks on their faces the acting is just incredible and the true horror of the movie partly it's that you kind of feel the tower crumbling but it's partly just Glenn
1: Close's performance, right? I mean, she's so scary. So if if they did Invisible Man and it came out in the '80s or like came out with this film, Public, that I mean, Fatal Attraction, we should say was a box office fucking hit. Like it did it, so well. It cost like twenty million to make and made two hundred fifty million or something. It's insane. But if you make Invisible Man. Forget the trailer. We don't have that spoiler up front. And you ha- have this amazing opening scene where she escapes from the house. And then you get, I would, I feel like 30 to 40 minutes of just, is she crazy or isn't she kind of like trying to get her life back on track would have worked in that movie. Totally fine. Could have been even longer. It could have just been building this sense of dread. And there yeah. are some amazing set pieces in Invisible Man. I'm not saying that it wasn't like effective scare stuff, but I do feel like by the end it was like, fuck, every five minutes we're going to get another just absolutely insane set piece. I wonder if they could have built to like cut a few, build, build up the tension a little bit more in the, in the beginning.
0: Yeah, I think that they definitely could have built it up more. I feel like this movie coming out in the 80s comes out as a B movie. Like it comes Mm, out as more of a slasher B movie that's lower budget effects are kind of silly. I don't know that somebody takes this movie the way that they did it as seriously back then. So that's very real. And it's kind of my thought on it, but I want to jump into the categories that we've kind of set up to go through some of the stuff. But the one thing I will ask you before we do is which of these movies did you like more?
1: Oh, that's a good question think fatal attraction but honestly this is the hardest of the the pairings we've done so far like i was fucking blown away by both of them i think elizabeth invisible man the if there wasn't the trailer might have beat out fatal attraction for me honestly but i just felt like i'd seen it before i saw it
0: right and you probably knew almost nothing about fatal attraction
1: inside aside from a basic plot I knew something about a bunny getting boiled, but I didn't know what the <laughs> fuck that meant. <laughs> that was the only spoiler I had.
0: <laughs> and what what order would you watch these in? Which one first, which one second?
1: That's a great question as well. I watched Invisible Man first for this pairing, but uh, I guess if you could go in blind to Invisible Man, I would do Fatal Attraction and then Invisible Man. Because I think you kind of can really appreciate the what's changed in these 30 years between the two movies and uh also just like start to see the domestic stuff better if you have Fatal Attraction first also the stakes work better if you sit through this movie and then the next movie is just mind blowing
0: yeah that's the order i'd go in also
1: uh let's let's jump into some of the categories so the first
0: one is the clincher which I know we've talked a little bit about, but what would you say was the main reason that you chose these two movies?
1: Yeah, I I kind of talked about it before, but I think the domestic horror aspect is what got it for me. And uh, I was just seeing the... Watching Invisible Man, having known known a little bit about it, but seeing just this incredible two-hour definition of gaslighting, as you said, and being Mm -hmm. like, that is a very... 2020 concern. And then what I knew about Fatal Attraction was that it was about <laughs> a handsome 80s man dealing with uh the fallout of an affair and I'm like that is the most 80s New York upper class concern I've ever heard. So I think that nicely fit for that reason.
0: Which of these movies do you feel like makes you fear
1: stovetops more? <laughs> Honestly, dude, they I was dying when we she walked in and the bunny was boiling and I'm like, "If this fucking stovetop was turned on by an invisible person." <laughs> I couldn't believe it that they both had like really intense <laughs> stovetop scenes. That was awesome. I had a this is somewhat of a digression, but I had an English teacher once who was telling us that uh you got to look for like metaphor in the use of kitchen appliances and things and kitchen uh, stuff in movies. And she was showing us, uh, I think it was a streetcar named Desire, the Marlon Brando one. Mm-hmm. And she's like, every time you see fucking in a movie, she probably said sex in a movie. This was high school. Every time you see sex in a movie, they, the way they let you know that it finished is they show tea boiling water coming out of a spigot (laughs) something like that like there's always like the the money shot is always like a kitchen thing and sec believe you me every sex scene in fatal attraction had one of those just perfect cuts to the sink or the pasta boiling over or something like that so much water is used (laughs) in a fatal attraction it is crazy
0: uh okay next question is um for me, which like I want to know which one stressed you out more because I am just I've been running high on
1: anxiety for the last couple of days. <laughs> uh, I mean, as a married man, I think Fatal Attraction is more <laughs> stressful. I have to say, I think uh, I fear tech. You know, I, I've written about techies; they're scary sometimes. But uh, there's <laughs> I'm a little less afraid of an invisible techie tormenting my life than uh just glenn close showing up at the publishing event you know and turning things on their head
0: yeah Yeah. i i agree i think fatal attraction ended up being more stressful (laughs) i had to watch it in two parts mostly because i was just like (laughs) it's like sweating (laughs) falling apart halfway through i had to take a break the xanax i took put me right to sleep (laughs) Well, let's put these let's put these fuckers in the ring. Let's talk about them against each other a little bit more. Uh, first off, Close versus Moss. Who gives the better performance?
1: Ooh, that's a great question. I mean, both of them. I Glenn Close got an uh, Oscar nomination. I kind of mm-hmm. doubt Elizabeth Moss will, but who the fuck knows nowadays? She should, but if like Lupita Nyong'o didn't for us, it's kind of hard to believe they're gonna give it for a horror movie but she i mean it's it's like a true star performance by elizabeth moss like you're with her the whole time you buy it um i would still go with glenn close though because like every time she's on the screen i was fully unsettled you know i was fully on edge and honestly the fairer thing is michael douglas versus elizabeth moss because they're kind of in the same but, yeah. roles in this movie.
0: Well, I was going to say, I mean, Elizabeth Moss has a bigger canvas to work with and in some ways I feel like that almost hurts her in the comparison to Glenn Close cuz Glenn Close only has about, you know, 30% of the movie, but she fucking kills it.
1: I will say, I thought that the guy who played the invisible man kind of sucked. And that's that's like the difference in this movie is like Glenn Close is the big bad, I guess. Like you kind of understand where she's coming from at times, but mm-hmm. she becomes the big bad. And uh it's she was fucking frightening every time she's on screen. And the invisible man guy, I didn't really care.
0: Luckily he was it.
1: hardly on screen. I mean, yeah. we
0: we saw him for probably a collective 8 minutes of the movie.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about it though. Like what if they it's hard to get a giant star in that film for like $5 million, all that stuff. But like, what if you had, you know, shining era Jack Nicholson doing the voiceover (laughs) for the invisible man and, uh, saying surprise and doing all that shit. Like that's really gonna turn that movie up to 11.
0: Yeah. Uh, probably a better actor for him would have made the movie better and they wouldn't have had to pay that much. I mean, again, he's hardly, it. Yeah, it's like one day. One day of shooting. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, What do you think was the best scene in each of these movies?
1: Okay. I feel pretty good that the best scene in Invisible Man was the opening scene. Like, when I was... she's escaping. I was blown away by the amount they got done in that, like... It was probably 10 minutes. It was frightening. Mm-hmm. You got a total lay of the land. Got understood both characters. And... I was, like, on the edge of my seat, like, so freaked out. Another thing somewhat ruined by the trailer. I feel like that punched-out window would have blown your fucking mind without the trailer. Mm-hmm. But that's more excusable, because at least it's the first ten minutes of the movie. But I think that was my favorite scene in Invisible Man. What about you?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's... That's a really good point. It's like exposition without words, which is pretty Mm -hmm. nice in that first 10 minutes. I like that. I think the other scene I really liked in Invisible Man, he votes short. To me, it was the most shocking, was the scene in the restaurant with her sister. Yes. Yes. They hadn't really taken it quite to the level of just, like, really brutal murder yet in the movie. Mm -hmm. You hadn't seen anything that savage. You felt like it was coming, but, dude, when... (laughs) There's going to be spoilers on this podcast, but when her sister goes down, man, it is just like, it happens so fast. Oh my God. As an audience member, you're almost thinking like, did that, wait, (laughs) is, is this what's, and, and before you can even really comprehend what just happened, the actress is doing the same thing. Like she's standing in the restaurant, everybody's staring at her, just. It was a pretty breathtaking scene, I thought. But I still think that the first 10 minutes was probably the better one.
1: That's a great call in that restaurant scene, actually. Because also, like, so much of the movie, you're on edge, the whole movie. And by having a little humor in that scene, the sisters get, like, just being hilariously rude to the waiter for, like, good reason, but keeps being like, please leave us alone. No, we don't want the expensive water. We need more time. We know how restaurants work. And then you're like, all right. I'm like... Actually, relaxing. Like, the sister's going to be the ticket out of this, you know? And we're in she, a restaurant. I mean, we yeah, went to rest- the
0: restaurant to get in public so that he couldn't be there. So we're just mm-hmm. assuming he's not.
1: Ugh, it was so good. I'm totally with you on that. Uh, that for Fatal Attraction, the best scene, I was absolutely charmed it's probably not the best scene but (laughs) when they take the dog to central park (laughs) during their weekend oh so uh, soft i love that choice (laughs) and they're playing with the dog and it's the most inexplicable like game they're like the dog's running and they're running after it and then glenn close keeps trying to like tackle michael douglas (laughs) and then they're (laughs) throwing the ball back and forth And then Michael Douglas fakes a heart attack, and you're just like, "This is exactly how I picture the '80s having an affair." You know, there's like a lot of weird (laughs) wrestling. There's a cute big uh, lab in in the play. You know, there's like it makes so little sense the flirting, but I also like totally bought it. So that really hit me in the heart.
0: Yeah, that is. I mean, that's a really, really funny choice (laughs) for that movie. It's a great scene. Uh, It definitely sticks out. For me, the best scene is the scene when Glenn Close kicks him out slash, like, doesn't want him to leave at the end of their first night together or the next morning. And she's, like, getting pissed off. And he's kind of surprised and confused. She's like, at least I'd have some respect for you if you told me to fuck off. And he's like, fuck off. And then she gets really pissed and kind of like, all right, she's pissed off. He's going to get out of here. And then you hear her and she says something like, well, aren't you at least going to say goodbye? And she comes up and starts kissing him and there's just blood everywhere. And it just, I mean, that is zero to a hundred real quick. She goes from like unreasonable, but kind of reasonable, angry person to just full on suicidal, crazy person within a matter of seconds.
1: Yeah. And then what's genius about that movie is it's like a descent from that point on, but there's still a part where you see her going, like you just wanted to fuck for a weekend and now you're just going to throw me aside. And you're like, that's fair. Glenn close has a point there. And like, there's a, like I'm pregnant. What am I supposed to do with this kid? You're not picking up my calls. And you're like, all right, like you should probably get an abortion, but you are older. And like, she wanted this baby. And like, there's, moments throughout even her descent where you're like this is kind of like michael douglas is kind of a scumbag too Mm -hmm. but god damn that scene you just like the look in her eye when she goes from like get the fuck out of my bed to coming up bleeding trying to like talk him into staying it was really dark and great so dark and i do think that
0: she you do want to side with her at certain points but At the same time, like, the way that that affair starts is she's like, can you be discreet? I can Mm -hmm. be discreet. And, like, "Well, your wife's out of town for the weekend, it'll just be a fun night. Like, she's kind of on board with what he thinks it's supposed to be. Totally. And so I I never really, like, sided with her on her being upset about that. And then the other thing, and I'm realizing as, as you're talking about it, maybe this is crazy. I just assumed she was faking the pregnancy. Were you bought in on
1: that? He says he called the doctor, and the doctor like told him congratulations at some point. And he's right. like, I don't know what the fuck she told this doctor. I thought it was. Or I thought it was definitely going to be fake. I mean, yeah, that's true. But we don't really see her with a lot of other she people. And <laughs> she scheming. doesn't exactly
0: have like some pals who are roped in, you know.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it would make sense that she was faking the pregnancy. But it also that movie does such a good job of making you feel boxed in with Michael Douglas, like the fucking every time the phone rings, it's so loud in the, in the film. And you're just like, this phone is like, you know, closing in on you. It's like a a omen of something terrible coming every time. And it gets louder and louder throughout the movie. And you're just like, fuck,
0: I feel trapped. too. (laughs) The use of sound in that movie is unbelievable. It's so good.
1: Incredible. I mean, Invisible Man too. That movie yeah. was, everything was so turned up in that house. Every fucking crack of like a piece of wood, like every time the uh, burners were on, all of that. It was so loud and claustrophobic. It was great. Um, let's see who else. I mean, I would like to swap Michael Douglas's lawyer friend just into my life to just walk around with me that dude is charming as fuck (laughs)
0: yeah he's great i like
1: him a lot he's he reminds me of like the friend and when harry met sally he's just like the dude you want around kind of goofy like never really a threat but like also is just constantly busting your balls It it was just fantastic to see um i don't i mean the real question i think is can could elizabeth moss play glenn close and vice versa because they're the ones giving these big performances. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think Michael Douglas definitely is the easiest swap, but between those two, I don't know. I I just like them more as what they played. I I think Glenn Close plays the scary crazy, not the like helpless victim crazy. Yep. And Elizabeth Moss just. She delivered such an insane performance in this movie. It's hard for me to picture anybody else in that role. Totally. So I'm a no. I'm a (laughs) no
1: on them. Uh, If you were to remake Fatal Attraction, who are you putting in the Michael Douglas and Glenn Close roles?
0: Oh, man. That is a great question. I'm thinking... I'm thinking someone kind of unassuming in... The Michael Douglas role. I'm thinking like an Oscar Isaac. Yeah. I from, like that. From like Ex Machina style, but like a little bit less crazy. I know. But I mean, I'm he's... trying to
1: think of who like random handsome bro is these days, you know? Because. Yeah. I mean, The Rock's the most obvious choice. But. <laughs> what I appreciate about Michael Douglas is like he wasn't Tom Cruise, but he had this just absolute swagger in a way that like. You know, he's not going to be on the front of a magazine, but by the end of that movie, you buy that he is the coolest motherfucker in New York. You know, you get why both these women are head over heels for him.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think who would be also like Oscar Isaac seems like a decent pick. You clean him up a little bit, but it would have to be someone who could deliver a better performance. I don't think you could just have like a schlub walking around in that role. Mm hmm. I, but, man, the, the, the Glenn, Glenn Close is a hard one.
1: If this right. car- if this was played by Michelle Pfeiffer at the same time, you know, like, you start to be like, oh, uh, maybe Michael Douglas is just going to leave his wife for this woman. Maybe, like, it is worth breaking your shit up. You get what? She's like a crazy devil from this other world. She's a succubus. But, like, Glenn Close is just... It's just totally believable that she could... Uh, absolutely have like the weekend from heaven and then also michael douglas there's never a thought that he's gonna like break up his life for this woman
0: you know who i think could be good if she didn't already have kind of a reputation as a comedian would be kristen wigg i could see if if you didn't see her and immediately think she was going to be making stupid jokes she kind of fits the like attractive but not super knockout attractive And I think she's actually an amazing actress who can go from like crazy to sane really well,
1: Totally, but she
0: just has the like comedian tie attached to her.
1: I know. I would actually, I don't know if she's like ever going to make movies anymore, (laughs) but, uh, I could see there a little bit too much of knockouts, but, uh, Jennifer Lawrence or Kristen Stewart. That
0: was, yeah. Jennifer Lawrence was my first thought, but she might be too pretty for the role.
1: Yeah, that's that seems like a very uh, remake 25 years later move, though, to be like, <laughs> totally. let's do Chris Hemsworth and Jennifer Lawrence, just a couple of average people in New York, just killing who, it. Who plays, who plays the boring wife or the standard <laughs> wife? Angelina Jolie. Let's just get someone really basic, standard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that'd be interesting. Well, nonetheless, I thought it was a, a really good pairing. uh very fun watches and I'm probably going to just watch shitty comedies and action movies for at least a couple of weeks to get this out of my system. But cleanse, thanks for to uh, cleanse.
1: Uh, totally. Uh, I, another recommendation before we go and hear Rod's alternate pairing is, uh, I watched Thomas crown affair. Ooh, mm. That's a that is the similar kind of just erotic erotic '90s movie that could never happen again these days, but it's fun.
0: Yeah, it's fun. I haven't watched it in years, but I'll, I will give it a watch, especially once I cleanse a little bit. <laughs> All
1: right. Well, I can't say that Rod hated the film like we usually do, but he definitely hated <laughs> he definitely hated the pairing. So uh, let's hear Rod's alternate pairing. The.
2: Horror genre is one of the few genres that have historically been predominantly female-led, yet the sort of psychological experiences of womanhood have pretty rarely been explored considering that fact that most of these films are led by female protagonists. The Invisible Man is a film very much of its moment, it's like a Me Too parable on gaslighting and the kind of long-term ramifications of abuse. Um, So the film that I chose to pair it with is 2014's Australian psychological horror film The Babadook, directed by Jennifer Kent. It tells the story of Amelia, a depressive single mother who is raising her behaviorally challenged six-year-old son alone after her husband dies during childbirth. And in the film, the two begin to be haunted by this malevolent spirit named the Babadook, who torments its victims only after they become aware of its existence. And gradually, Amelia begins to come undone, kind of shutting the two into their home, and as she falls deeper into a psychosis, the Babadook's presence becomes significantly more formidable. And The Babadook is a film that becomes increasingly more claustrophobic as it goes on. At first, you fear for Amelia. She's stuck at home with a son who seems obsessive to the point of possession with this supernatural force and kind of plays on the creepy kid trope of these horror movies. But eventually, it kind of switches and you begin to actually fear for the son, watching as her mother kind of, watching as his mother kind of becomes gradually more unhinged over time. And... Similarly, in The Invisible Man, characters fear for Cecilia's sanity as she tries to convince them of the invisible spirit that's haunting her every move, but both of these films are fundamentally about supernatural manifestations of trauma. And while they're given a more kind of sci-fi bend in The Invisible Man, the effect is largely the same. It's a kind of haunting, you know, this invisible force that is truly haunting her home and everywhere she goes, it's ghost-like, even if there is this kind of practical justification for what this spirit is or isn't doing. But in both films, these women are already haunted. You know the film. The film's uses the conventions of the genre in really interesting ways. You know, characters who don't believe are heroine, a haunted house, the tension between what's real and what isn't, and it uses these con- conventions as a way to delve deeper into the psyche of women who are still housing so much trauma within them from their given experiences, and their respective terrors are physical manifestations of their given states. In The Invisible Man, the presence of an evil force that nobody else can see, but that you feel watching and dictating your every move is a pretty perfect summation of what it feels like to live in a state of domestic abuse. And in The Babadook, the monsters had to kind of grow stronger the more you continue to deny its existence, which is a pretty potent way to think about depression and grief, like monsters that curdle and Grow more powerful the longer we try to keep them at bay, and in *The Invisible Man*, Cecilia has to take matters kind of into her own hands in a way that feels, I think, like sufficiently satisfying for an audience longing to see a man in the Me Too era kind of get his comeuppance. Uh, But in *The Babadook*, the ending is kind of profoundly deeper. The the monster continues to live in their home is tended to, as opposed to obliterated, accepted as kind of like a forever resident of this house, which as the film goes on, kind of becomes a proxy for her body and her mind. So the way that the film kind of accepts the presence of the Babadook is, I think, fundamentally really instructive in thinking about what the film has to say about trauma. You know, there is no ridding yourself of grief. But whereas in The Invisible Man, the presence that needs to, be, needs to be kind of cast out of the home has to be handled um, in a kind of physical, with a real sense of finality. In The Babadook, the horror is kind of against all odds, something that we invite in um, and something that we learn to literally live with. Oh, sweet cat